a reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Am I a God nearby, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long? Will the hearts of the prophets ever turn back? Those who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart. They plan to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, just as their ancestors forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I'm under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Most holy and loving God, it takes the whole world to know your whole gospel. And so this day we give you thanks for our brothers and sisters of St. John's Salima Parish in Malawi, Africa, and for the way that they have revealed you to us. Amen. So as I said at the beginning of the service, today is uh, Salima Sunday, and uh, rather than the divisions described in the gospel you just heard, we're going to talk a little more about unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So um, you'll be hearing more from me on my uh, reflections of uh, our pilgrimage in, in later sermons. But today is an opportunity for you to hear from uh, members of our pilgrimage group. There were eight of us that went. Uh, Diane Graves is traveling back from Africa after a safari, and Rick Fabian uh, is not able to be here. But uh, other members of our group are here, and we'll be sharing some reflections about our uh, experience uh, uh, with our sister parish 
uh, and of Malawi. So I want to invite our whole group to come up, and um, you can sit somewhere. We'll be hearing first from Robert Miros. So good morning. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. I'm usually at the 9 o'clock service, so you don't all know my face. Uh, First of all, I wanted to set the stage a bit. Um, Malawi is a small landlocked country in southern Africa. It's about 13 million people, about the size of Tennessee. And it's variously ranked the 10th poorest country in the world. Um, And I like to point out people when I say that, that the other countries below them on the list sort of aren't countries. You have South Sudan and other places that have a hard time making it. So this is definitely one of the poorest places in the world. About $2 a day is the average income. And another thing that's different is it's very rural. Um, There are other countries in Africa that have large cities now. Um, Most of the cities in Malawi tend to still be quite small, and most of the population lives in the countryside. But for me, the the first thing to say that sticks out is that Malawi is the most overtly Christian country I've ever been to. Um, And that includes countries in Central America that are predominantly Roman Catholic, countries like South Korea that have a strong evangelical bent. Malawi is a place where when your driver picks you up from the airport and takes you to your hotel, he'll ask you about your relationship with Christ. And it's not in a proselytizing way. He's genuinely interested. And that's because to him, Christ is sitting in the car with him, and he wants to talk to him. Um, Another good example of this, uh, I've been to Malawi now four times. Um, My company is distributing medical devices throughout the country as part of a large clinical trial. And so we have a lot of meetings with people from the Department of Public Health. That's what we would call it. It's called the Ministry of Health there. So this is a room of maybe 35 or 40 doctors and nurses. And at the beginning of any one of these meetings, they'll say, will someone lead us in prayer? And at the end of the meeting, they'll say, will someone close in prayer? And I just invite you to think about going to a Department of Public Health meeting here in California and having them saying, would someone please open the meeting with prayer? Um, And it really does invite the personal reflection of what if our culture was a bit more like that, um, that we, on a daily basis, reflected on Christ's role. Um, Part of the way that that sort of spiritual fervor comes through in the church services uh, is the music is incredible. Um, The choirs, which typically are sort of younger adults, ranging maybe from 14 to 25, uh, perform spontaneously throughout the service. Um, during the offertory, during the passing of the peace, and it's truly a joyful noise. Um, we all hear that phrase again and again, but it's a joyful noise. There's no accompaniment, there's no organ, um, occasionally a little bit piped in music, but usually it's just them singing, um, and it completely takes you away. And I don't know if Chris has, you want to try to play the music? We're going to try a little audio visual here. We'll see how it goes. So this is a, a choir in a very rural church called St. Agnes, and it's one male leader and several uh, girls. What you can't tell is I'm holding a video and I can see them all dancing while they're singing. 
So the music is incredible, and I invite you all at the coffee hour. We'll be showing some videos on the screen and playing the sounds. You should all come and check that out. On a personal note, I had two fun personal stories. Uh, some of you may know that I am a cyclist, like Father Chris is a cyclist, and so I thought it would be fun to take a bicycle with us. Um, we were already sending, that is, my company was already sending a number of things, so we were able to include a cargo bike, which some of you have probably seen rolling around town. It's an extended bike with a large sort of platform on the back for carrying heavy things. Uh, the truth is that taking a bicycle to Malawi is a bit like carrying coals to Newcastle. Um, there are bicycles everywhere, and everyone uses bicycles to transport things. Uh, the difference is that the cycles they're using are all made in either China or India, and they all have one speed. Um, and they tend to look in a way that you're surprised that they can even move. Um, the tires are usually worn, and they're sort of welded together. A lot of rebar is used as a reinforcement. Um, but we took a large cargo bike, and we set it up for them, put it together at the church, left it with the church so they can use it. Uh, and their two comments were interesting. One was they were very concerned about the tires. They didn't think the tires would last. And these tires, I have to tell you, are almost motorcycle tires. They're heavy-duty. I, I could never imagine them wearing out. But they were concerned, because how are they going to replace them if they did wear out? And the second thing was gears. The bike we delivered had 21 gears. And they honestly didn't know why you would want gears. They were like, well, what if you want to go up a hill? And they said, well, you know, you get off the bike and push, you know, go down, you know, whatever. Um, the last little personal reflection, which is kind of fun, is uh, during my trip, I befriended uh, one of the members of leadership of the church, a gentleman named Martin, uh, who would have been on their vestry and sort of in, responsible for buildings and grounds. Um, and as we were leaving, he made sure that I received a gift which was this beautiful hat. Um, and he wanted me to have the hat because he left me a little note, and he said, I was very concerned about your fair skin in Africa. Because I think, honestly, I'm the largest, lightest guy he's ever seen. Um, and he was concerned I'd burn to a crisp. So uh, this sticks with me um, and is a sort of a visual reminder now in my household of not only Martin but the church at St. John's in Salima. Now we will hear from Anne and Maggie Doyle. Um, thank you. Um, I just have to tell you, one of the best memories I have is of the vision of Robert and Chris and all the men in St. John's Lima putting together this bike and being like three-year-old kids. They were so excited, and, and Robert is truly the proud parent of that bike. So um, I just wanted to start by saying that um, for the last, you know, however many years, we pray every week in our church for St. John Salima. And it just always sounded just so far away. It's just like, you know, and it was, I, I love the stories that, that Amy and Chris brought back, you know, from a couple years ago. But it just seemed like really removed. And um, until you go and experience it, it really is, it's pretty far away and it's kind of hard to understand. Um, but the one thing that really stuck with me that Chris said early on and boy, is this true. This is just amazing. The people are the happiest people in the world and the most loving and giving people in the world. But their joy is just amazing to the point where it's really hard for me to even say the word Malawi or Salima and not have a smile. Um, yeah, I think it was truly incredible just how little these people have, but they have so much of what really matters in life. And they're so into sharing what they have. 
um, their joy and their laughter and their love. And it's um, incredible because you'll walk through these villages and the children will run up to you just like screaming just because they want to ask you your name and hold your hand as you walk through their village. And um, another thing that amazed me was at St. John Salima, Taya and I, on one of the final days, um, the two boys from the youth group walked up to us, and they uh, handed us their personal Bibles, which you could tell had been loved and cherished and were some of the most, their most prized possessions. And um, they handed us their Bibles, which were fully in Chichewa, the native language, and said, I want you to take this um, as a gift because we want you to have a piece of us. Um, to take home with you. And I just thought that was so incredible that they wanted to share one of their few processions with us just so they, we could understand their love. Um, so they're incredibly welcoming people. When you, when you go to a village or especially to a church, um, everybody has to shake your hand from the littlest ones all the way up to the oldest ones. And everybody has to shake your hand. And sometimes it take, it can take a half an hour just to get inside the church. And, um, which is just amazing. And uh, there's a lot of similarities between St. John's Salima and St. John's Ross. And, and I was trying to figure out how to put faces on it. And hopefully you guys will see the video too. But like, there's this guy, Oscar, who is the treasurer, who is so Nigel. It's not even funny. It's, it's the same sense of humor, you know, that little smile, that little imp thing going. And his wife, Miriam, very sweet, like Jane. And um, Aranafe, the, um, the rector's wife, is such a dynamo. She is just filled with joy and life and smart and funny. And I wonder who that sounds like. <laughs> so anyways, um, the, the group that I connected a lot with was the women's group. Uh, the, sorry. The women's group. The Mother's Union. I connected with them, but I can't say them. The Mother's Union. And they are the ones, they're literally the movers and shakers. They're the ones who are dancing in all the videos and singing and um, amazing, amazing women. And they are truly the saints of Malawi, as far as I'm concerned. And they go out to the villages. And like Chris mentioned, um, at the 8 o'clock service, it does, they, they visit people that can be Muslim, can be anything. They don't have to be part of the church. And they take them food. And they take them you know, with supplies if they need it. And they just are there to listen and to help them. Uh, we visited one um, malaria victim. And the women's union, the mother's union, was um, going to build her a kitchen out behind her very modest little hut that had a dirt floor and, and mats and a straw roof. And they're just, they're such amazing, amazing people. And they're just fabulous. They're just, it, it sort of says the whole kind of country's like that. Everybody's giving, so. Um, yeah, and actually, uh, the skirt I'm wearing is for the Daughters of the King, which is the group that I would be in if I lived in Malawi, um, based on age and other stuff. And um, they really adopted me when I came into their community. Um, and one beautiful woman I met. Her name was Catherine, and she was in the Daughters of the King, and after we had had a meeting, she, um, we walked outside, and she walked up to me and grabbed my hand and started walking with me, and she was just saying how overjoyed she was to be able to share this with us, and she just loved how we had come to share a beautiful time with them, and um, she was in the Daughters of the King who serve other people, just like the Mother's Union. 
And um, we had actually given her a ride home that day, and she told us that she was HIV positive, and she had lost her husband and three children to complications with AIDS. And she was still smiling and still so happy about life and still wanted to serve others because she felt that was the purpose that God had given her in life. And the, the unconditional love that she gave people and everybody gives people is just truly beautiful. Just another little example of, of that, the, you know, their whole society is just based on loving and giving, it seems to me. And um, we went to St. Agnes, one of the little satellite churches for um, St. John's that, that Father Frank also um, is overseas. And um, the women were dancing us in. We all danced our way in. And it was just really fabulous and lovely. And we got out of the car, and um, Arinafe, the rector's wife, has a little five-year-old girl who's a whirling dervish and um, two twin boys that are like one. And you can imagine her hands are full. So she had a baby in her hands when she got out of the car, and she just made eye contact with one of these women. And there were no words exchanged. She just handed her her baby, and then the other baby went to another woman, and they strapped him on their back, and off they were. And she didn't have to worry about watching her kids. That's the way everybody takes care of each other. It's, it's just an absolutely amazing community of love and kindness, and, and especially with the people who are sick with AIDS and, and malaria and other complications. And they're just, we asked one little boy with, with AIDS if he felt like people were looking down on him. He said that he didn't feel anything. I mean, he didn't feel like anybody thought less of him or anything. It was just normal. His friends taught him, you know, treated him just like everybody else. So it's a very loving society. Um, yeah, and one person who we met in this community, her name was Agnes. Um, she lived in one of the poorest villages that we visited, and she had had cancer for a few years. Um, and she had a few young children, the youngest being probably one, one, around one year old. And you could tell she was in a lot of pain. And it really hit home with me because two of my best friends actually lost their mothers to cancer within a week of each other. And... In her, I saw so much of them, and I was very overwhelmed at first. Um, But then I realized just how beautiful the situation with the community was, um, because the community had really taken her burden from her, and she was so loved with amongst her family and her whole village. And I realized that her children are never in danger of not being loved in their lives. And that was just so incredible for me to realize. Um, Agnes actually passed away um, right after we left. Um, But I'd like to have everybody keep her and her family in our prayers because we're part of that family now. And it's our job to pray for them and keep them in our prayers. So I just want to uh, close with a little visual. Um, I, I always talk about how they welcomed us. Well, they also sent us off in grand manner, too. Um, what we're wearing right now, Maggie and I and, and uh, Amy, they're called Tatinjis. Chitinjis. And when we were leaving, um, they wear them over clothes, over skirts. And uh, when we were leaving in our van, driving out of the driveway of the uh, St. John's, they, the women took the tetenjes off, and they laid them in front of our van. And then we would drive, and they'd run out around the back and pick them up and put them up in the front again. And it, they were laughing so hard and having such a great time and singing. And the dri- our driver said he'd never seen anything like this before. And basically, Chris just said, oh, my gosh, it's like we're in the middle of Palm Sunday. 
Thank you both. Uh, my daughter, uh, Taya, um, is, uh, ha- is working this morning, so she's not able to be with us. And the highlight of the trip for me was she was confirmed by the Bishop of the Diocese of Lake Malawi while we were uh, there. And so, because Taya couldn't be here this morning, I asked her to write a, a little reflection, and this is what she wrote about her experience uh, of confirmation. My first full day in Malawi, we ventured out to Nkota Kota, where the Bishop of Lake Malawi was confirming youth from the diocese. Already with the culture shock of being in such a foreign country, I was thrown into a group of Malawian youth. Welcoming as they were, I felt uncomfortable, for I didn't speak their language or know their customs. I rose, sat, and knelt with the songs and readings, as instructed by a confident young woman seated beside me. When it came time for the confirmations to begin, I got ready to sit and watch while the Malawian children would be confirmed. Then I would be last, or so I had been told. When my name was called up very first, I again felt the watchful eyes of the congregation as I unconfidently paced over to the steps where the bishop stood over me. Following a little back and forth of confirmation vows, the bishop laid his hands upon my head and prayed. And at that point I knew that I was one with the children and young adults of Malawi, one with the congregation, and one with God. Is it working? (laughs) Yeah? Dad? (laughs) Okay, this is the story about a 15-year-old boy a pan-African church group called the Mother's Union, and the value of transportation. Our second full day at St. John's, we were taken out to one of the 18 satellite parishes located out of the town of Salima. To get there, it's a 20-minute drive down a paved road and then another 20-minute drive down a dirt road. After the church service there, where Chris baptized an uncountable number of children, We were driven even further out to a cluster of about six huts where an extended family of 25 people were gathered. We got out of the van, crossed to an area under a tree where we were invited to sit on chairs. The people were seated on straw mats on the dusty ground. Yosef, a skinny boy of 15, sat on thin legs bent tightly at the knee. To join us, He crawled on bent knees and elbows, crossing an expanse of about 15 feet. Members of the Mother's Union, a volunteer group of women found everywhere in Africa and who dress in royal blue and white uniforms and wear the, the cloths wrapped around our waist like the women here, brought forward a large bowl of maize flour a staple of the Malawian meal. The Mother's Union, like other ministries at churches in Africa, do not favor members of their own parish. They help all the people, no matter their religious or tribal affiliation, focusing on the orphans, the disabled, the sick, the dying. They get a little bit of funding from the church and supplement this with items from their own kitchens, cooking oil, rice, chicken. We learn just a bit about Yosef. He is 15 years old, one of eight children. 
His relatively young-looking mother is named Agnes. His older father has the name Kondwa, meaning happy in Chichewa. Yosef had a wheelchair given to him by the government, but had long since broken. We left there feeling a little sad. It was a glum situation for Yosef. And we realized that this was just a typical visit for the women of the mother's union. Fast forward two days. We are driving outside of Salima when we see ten wheelchairs, sturdily constructed of wood, each having three fat tires and propelled by turning handlebars. Children and adults were learning how to use the wheelchairs from a Malawian man who walked on two severely clubbed feet who was passionate about bringing services to people with disabilities. We told him about Yosef and asked if we could connect him by cell phone to Father Frank of St. John's Church, and an appointment was made for the following Saturday. We had left Salima before Yosef received his wheelchair, but we did recently get Father Frank's email with photos attached, and you can see the pictures of Yosef in his new wheelchair in the presentation during the coffee hour. We felt really good about facilitating Yosef's new wheels, but really the credit goes to those Mother's Union members. They are the people who visit Yosef and will continue to care for him long after we are gone. And I think of the work of Father Frank, the parish priest, the one parish priest for all of those 19 stations, who rides around on the motorcycle that this church gifted to that community. In some ways, it's so simple what transportation is and means. In this country, we take it for granted. In Malawi, it is everything. It makes it possible to visit the sick, the orphaned, and to give a boy the means to move around his village and maybe even go back to school. Because other people care. St. John's Salima people care. St. John's Ross people care. And I thank you so much for your commitment and, and your support of that community.